You know what stinks is that there are so many tools. I mean, it's a good thing there's so many tools, but it also stinks that there's so many tools to do everything you need to do. If you want to host a podcast, there's 43,000 tools to do it. So I think that also gets people stuck like, oh, I want to start a podcast, but I don't know what I'm going to use. Most small businesses today create some form of content. Some are sporadically posting updates and photos on social media. Others take the time to create helpful articles, entertaining videos, or valuable podcast episodes. But there's a whole category of small business that I would consider content-driven. In other words, these businesses rely on the steady production of content that keeps the existing audience happy while it also helps attract new audience members. These businesses might make money by selling advertising, leveraging affiliate marketing partnerships, or selling their own digital products. And often it's a combination of all three. These businesses and the creators behind them have a lot to teach us about the tools and workflows that can make the content we create easier to manage, more effective, and more profitable. I'm Tara McMullen, and you're listening to What Works, the show that takes you behind the scenes to get the inside scoop on what's really working to run and grow a small business today. We're continuing our series on the tools we use to run our small businesses by taking a look at the tools a content-driven business uses to create, manage, and publish all that content, as well as how it actually drives revenue, too. Now, I could think of no one better than my friend Jessica Stansbury to talk content and tools with. Jessica is a YouTuber, podcaster, and a fellow lover of tools. She's the host of Grit, a podcast about business and lifestyle design, and she also produces videos on planning, productivity, business, and marketing for over 66,000 subscribers on YouTube. Jessica and I chat about the hardware, software, and systems she uses to manage it all, plus her criteria for selecting or switching tools. I also asked her about the tools she uses to manage her life outside of business. Now, let's find out what works for Jessica Stansbury. Jessica Stansbury, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Yes. All right. So we're going to talk tools today. And I figured we'd start off in a place that's very familiar to both of us, which is podcasting. You have a podcast. I have a podcast. We're on a podcast right now. <laughs> so uh, let's keep it pretty meta to start. Tell me about the tools that you and your team use to create your podcast. Yeah. So I, as of right now, I've had my independent podcast for almost a year. So I had a co-hosted podcast for three years. Um, and with that, we used Zencaster, especially in the very end of it. So we would use Zencaster for the audio, but we would zoom in to people mm -hmm. so we could see them, mute that audio and record it in Zencaster. And it worked really, really, really well. Um, and in my podcast, I really struggled to figure out like, I want to have guests, but I want to have the right guests. And I want to figure out what the right angle is. I don't want to just be another interview show. And, you know, that kind of like you've done here. I mean, I think this is a great, great thing that's very different than mm -hmm. most podcasts. And that's how I've been. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to take a while to just be me and do that. So I don't use anything to like bring someone else on right now. Mm -hmm. um, but what I use is just QuickTime on my Mac to record my audio. Um, and then I believe my editor uses... Um, what is the one on a Mac? Oh, GarageBand. GarageBand. I think she uses GarageBand. And then um, we use Libsyn to host it. So that's pretty well the extent of what 
my podcast is right now. And then we used Zencaster before when I was doing multiple interviews. Awesome. What kind of tools do you use to kind of track content or your editorial calendar, your content strategy? Now I could nerd out over this all day. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> so I used Trello. I like to tell what I used to use, why I left it and what I use now. Perfect. Because I feel like, you know, it might help somebody. So I used Trello. And um, if you go Google how to use Trello, you will find my lovely face all over the YouTubes because I loved it so much. And what happened was it's not really conducive to like working with a team and working on multiple projects. It's very Mm -hmm. much so like you have this space and then you have this very separate space and there's not a good way to kind of combine them all. Um, So recently, probably in the last six months, we switched over to ClickUp Mm. and I could literally, if I could make out with a software, it would be ClickUp. Like that would be, that would be it. It is so awesome because I'm a very visual person. And I think Mm -hmm. it depends on what you, because I know people who love Asana and, you know, all of those types of project management tools, but I'm so visual. I need to be able to see like a calendar view and see this is going live here. I have this YouTube video, this podcast episode. This is my content for the week. Let's, you know, hash that out. What does that mean for my social media for the week? Like those kinds of things. Um, And so I love ClickUp. That's what we use right now to like manage the whole project of the podcast, take it through the process, and then um, also, you know, schedule everything around it. Got it. Yeah, we um, we used to use Asana, and I always hated it. There was never a time when I liked it. The team liked it. We switched <laughs> to Notion, and we have a client that uses ClickUp, and there's so many similarities between those mm-hmm. two pieces of software. Um, and I think there's pros and cons depending on how your brain works. Yes. One, but they do do very similar things and work in very similar ways. And so, yes, if I could make out with a piece of software. (laughs) (laughs) See, it's one of those things where like, if it keeps my whole life together, because my brain does not function in organization, my brain (laughs) is like, it's like somebody walked into my brain and splattered paint everywhere. That's how my brain functions. So if I can like get it systematized somewhere, it, it makes me happy, you know? So I'm like, okay, this works so well. And it's like color coordinated and we can tag things. I think notion is very, very similar because Mm -hmm. we've, I looked into it when we were getting ready to switch. Um, you can like tag things and say like, Oh, we're having our team meeting and these are the things we need to talk about on our team meeting. So I love it so much. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. And we are going to talk about sort of the life organizational piece. I'm going to save that to closer to the end. So stay tuned for that. Um, but I want to stay on the podcast for just a little bit longer when you're putting together your podcast episodes, um, you mentioned it's a solo show, unlike mm-hmm. this one. So that takes that takes a fair amount of preparation, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. How do you map that out? Are you writing an outline? Are you scripting it? And what kind of tools do you use for that? That's Great question. Um, so I still use ClickUp for the most part for that. So what I will generally do, the way I create content in general is that I will say like, oh, here's a launch I have going on or here's this thing I'm releasing or here's whatever, right? And then mm-hmm. I work backwards to say, okay, well, what content am I going to create leading up to this, right? So we have usually about 
three months of content planned in ClickUp. So when I'm getting ready to sit down and batch record, because that saves my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, And that's another reason I haven't started bringing on guests. I'm just like so used to now, like I record like once a month mm-hmm. and it's like happy, a happy place. And I'm like, I don't know. I'd have to like accommodate other people's schedules. <laughs> and it's just funny. Um, but I go in and I say, okay, I'm going to batch record tomorrow. And also I'll block off some time the day before and really just go in and make bullet point notes okay. um, inside of ClickUp. So inside the like card or whatever they call mm-hmm. it in ClickUp. Um, and I go off of that. So I'm someone who like you guys sent me, you know, a list of sample questions. I like glanced them. They ain't pulled up nowhere because I need the like off the cuff, you know, yeah. and my brain works better that way. And so, um, which is just funny. I'm like, why does anybody's brain work in a way where they don't need to be prepared for anything they do? But you know, so I make the bullet points is the preparation. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I make the bullet points and I have them there on the screen while I'm recording in ClickUp. So it's like a double screen kind of situation. And I just go off of that. There's no like real script or anything. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I'm always, I have such a system for, for my show. And, yeah. and then now we have systems for clients shows. So it's fascinating to me to hear other people's systems and how they do things. I know. And you know, it's funny because it's, it really depends on what the way your brain works. Right. Yeah. And because I listen to like Amy Porterfield, right. And I know that she is like down to the periods writing out her, not necessarily her script, but like exactly what she's talking about. She's prepared for like hours for every episode. And if it's a very strategic episode, I definitely prepare longer for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just like, that would feel so rigid to me. And I would be like, I don't want a podcast anymore. Like if that's how much I have to prepare, I'm not doing it. (laughs) So it really just depends, I guess, on like what your, you know, how your brain functions. Yeah. Totally. Completely agree. All right. Let's shift gears a little bit. Um, uh, podcasting is not your only marketing mm-hmm. channel. You also have a great YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so what tools do you and your team use to for the actual video creation and editing and getting the stuff up on the YouTubes? Sure. So we kind of do the same process in ClickUp to, to plan everything out. And then I also make my notes in there. And a lot of the reason I make my notes in ClickUp for both the podcast and the YouTube video is so my team can have them. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the process. So there's a lot of times I forget to write out the show notes um, for an mm-hmm. episode and for my podcast. And my team can, instead of coming back to me and being like, hey, can you write these out? They can look back at my notes and kind of just take it from there. Yeah. Um, most of the time I write them. But anyway, so same kind of process and click up for the YouTube videos. And we have it very, um, very visually built out. So it's like, you know, in the process of ClickUp, we move things along into different columns in the system. So it's very much so like, here's Jessica's ideas. And then it's, okay, here's what's in the calendar. And then it's, I've recorded. So then I'll say, okay, now it needs to be edited. And then my team kind of takes it from there through the process. So very similar for that. Um, as far as recording, I use a um, Canon, what is my Canon D70. Okay. Um, and it is basically what's so funny is I used to work in a photo lab. Um, (laughs) I love photography and stuff. And I used to work in a photo lab when I was in college and there were like actual video cameras, you know, and Mm -hmm. there's not actual video cameras anymore. So I'm always like, when I first started, I was like, wait, what do people use to record? I don't understand. So I use a, it's an actual DSLR. 
camera. It's a Canon um, D70. And I have like a lens that makes my background all blurry and pretty and makes me look all, you know, angelic and the things, you know, and then I use natural light. Um, I, well, if I was filming today, I wouldn't be, but, um, for the most part, I sit in front of a window and that's what I use for the lighting. I do have a ring light. Um, so if I am, you know, I really need to bring in extra light. I do have that. Um, and then I use, it's so funny because I record my audio separate from my video. Um, so uh, I will oh. either, yeah. And the reason is my camera is usually pretty far away from my face mm-hmm. because of the lens I have on it. And so if I just record like that, I tend to sound further away than I would like to sound. Um, so I either use this mic that I'm recording on now, which is an ATR 2100. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of just put it just out of view. So it's recording right below my camera view. Or I have a Zoom H1 recorder. Have you seen mm-hmm. those? Yep. Yeah. So that's usually what I use because it's um, multi-directional and I can kind of put it wherever it needs to be and it will still pick up my voice really well. But then um, my editor takes it into Premiere Pro, which is an Adobe program, and she splices the audio together with the video and deletes the audio from the camera file um, and then edits in that way. And that's actually that sounds really complicated. It is not at all. And it's actually better quality, you know, when you get down to it. So what I do is I like clap you know, at the beginning of each Uh episode. And so you can see the spike on the audio file and on the video file. So you can just match it up and go from there. It's super easy. Um, Then from there, she just uploads straight into YouTube. There's nothing fancy. Um, It's just, you know, Premiere Pro straight into YouTube. And then I go in and optimize it and do the things that need to be done Mm -hmm. inside of YouTube itself. Um, We do use Photoshop to make the thumbnails that go along with it. Um, But I only use Photoshop because that's my comfort zone. Canva is Mm -hmm. totally an acceptable option there. Yeah. We use Canva a lot. Yeah. My team does. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't used to use it. I stuck with the more complicated stuff. And then I was like, wait, this has gotten really good. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Yeah. And it's great for collaborating with people. It Um, really is. Okay, cool. Uh, One thing that I always find overwhelming about Mm -hmm. creating video and then handing it off to someone is how do you communicate the edit notes? Because Mm -hmm. I think people think that people like you and I stand in front of a video camera and just get it right, right? (laughs) No, that's not what happens. (laughs) So uh, how do you communicate? Are there tools that you use? Is there a process that you use to actually communicate how the video is supposed to be edited together? Yes. So essentially, um, I would always recommend getting a video editor who's already familiar with YouTube because the, the actual format of it is very different than if you were just making like a commercial or, Mm -hmm. you know, an ad that you're going to run as a Facebook ad or something like that. So that's been imperative for me to get an actual human who understands that I need this done and then that done and this done and that done. Um, Because that saves a lot of time on both of our ends. I'm not having to say, this is the intro and then you need to roll my like pretty intro. And then, you, I, you know, I don't have to say that every time. It's very much so something we established early on. It's in our processes in ClickUp. So if we ever brought somebody new on, it's in there. Um, kind of the format I want the video to go. But it has also just been communicated. What I generally do is I will, um, if I mess up, I'm going to communicate that to her on video because she's watching the stupid video, right? right? So I'm... Um, 
I'll be like, blah, 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 blah. And then I'll be like, okay, Mary Beth, let's start over from the word such and such. And so she's actually like getting real time notes from me on the video. Um, And if there's anything that crazy happens or whatever, I'll usually just stop it. So um, one time my dog was sitting right outside my window. We have an outside like farm dog and God love her, but she was like right there. And something really bothered her. I don't know what it was, but I I couldn't, I couldn't get past it. So I just stopped and then restarted. And so in that instance, I do communicate when I'm putting it in ClickUp, like, okay, this is in two files Mm -hmm. and you're going to want to start before the dog started being a weirdo. And then you're going to want to splice it together with the other one. So um, if there's anything weird like that, I communicate it in ClickUp. But for the most part, I communicate it during the video because it just makes the whole process easier. Yeah. Fascinating. Awesome. Um, (laughs) Let's shift gears a little bit. So as I was, um, you know, I know you pretty well. I know your business pretty well and and kind of what you're all about. Um, But I was doing my usual pre-interview research Mm -hmm. or refresh, um, as the case might be. And I noticed on your site that you are revamping your online course area, Mm -hmm. which makes makes me think that you might be switching up some of the tools that you're using for online courses. (laughs) So what tools do you currently use or are you currently going to be using uh, to put together and deliver online courses? Yeah. So I have used everything in the whole entire world. If there is a tool, yeah. Like it's like, oh, that looks shiny and new. Let's try that one. Um, But also it leads to complications because Mm -hmm. when you have hundreds of people paying you, you know, in a platform and then you switch it, it's like a whole bananas thing, you know? So um, right now or before, Let's let's do the before okay. um, because I'm still transitioning people and still transitioning everything over. We are using Kajabi um, and I really like Kajabi, but I don't use it for anything other than the co- course hosting pieces. Mm-hmm. So for that to be the case, it's pretty expensive to for that to be the only thing I'm using it for. It's because I'm using ConvertKit for my email. I'm using um, ClickFunnels for my sales pages. And um, that's where I process all payments through. So it's through Stripe or PayPal. And it just seemed like a dumb thing for me to be paying double what I would pay anywhere else just to have the course set up there. So we're moving out of Kajabi. We're keeping ClickFunnels. Um, To say that's my favorite tool is probably an overstatement. It's very glitchy. Um, However, I have so many sales pages set up in there and... Mm. I really like being able to kind of have flexibility with auto webinars or one-time offers or, you know, just different functionalities that ClickFunnels has that not a lot of other things have on the market. So we're keeping ClickFunnels. um, And then we are moving all courses and putting all like new courses, which nothing's new. We're just revamping everything um, on to Member Vault. So um, that's actually a new one for me. I have used Thinkific. I have loved Thinkific. I I think it was one of my favorite ones. Um, However, it's just not as customizable as I would like. Like their pages inside of it just weren't exactly for me because I needed to customize a little better. Um, So we're switching all of our courses over to Member Vault. And so far, I'm loving it. They have a lot of like really great tools built in for courses, but also for upselling people once they're Mm. in courses, which I think is really fun. So it's like, oh, you bought this one course, but when you log in, you see all these other courses that are grayed out that you might also really like. So I'm really liking it so far. We haven't actually officially been like, 
everything's there. But that's kind of the process we're going through right now. Gotcha. And is Member Vault, is that a WP plugin or is it standalone? It's standalone. Standalone. Yeah. Okay. And let me tell you, I used a WordPress plugin and I used like the top of the line ones. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I'm a web designer. If my background is in web design. And I it was like, I don't know. It was like a spider web. Of, it's a mess. It really is. And unless you have somebody full-time who's like in charge of making sure this goes here and this goes there, it was just not worth it. Um, I made it look really pretty and it like looked different than everybody else's like course platform or membership or whatever, but it was a disaster. So for me, I was like, okay, I just, I, as much as I would love to make this work, I can't do it. Yeah. I completely agree <laughs> with that. Completely agree. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. People want to connect to each other. Now, that's always been true, but it's never been more true than right now. If you're looking to lead or to serve as people navigate tough decisions and big changes, this is the time to bring them together. This is the time to give them the space to process and talk with one another. It's the time to bring thoughtful presence to the online spaces where people gather. If you're looking to lead or serve, Mighty Networks is the tool for the job. When you start a Mighty Network, you can bring your community, audience, or customer base all together under one digital roof. You can help them connect to each other and grow together. You can give them a calm, thoughtful space to process and talk. And as a leader, you can share your knowledge through the content you create, the online courses you build, and the virtual events you host. Mighty Networks is our tool of choice for bringing small business owners together, facilitating important conversations, delivering needed resources, and sharing ideas. Mighty Networks has given us a way to lead our people through extraordinary times, and it's given our members a thoughtful and intentional space to gather when things are rough. You can use Mighty Networks as your tool for bringing people together. To start your Mighty Network free of charge, go to MightyNetworks.com. Now, another tool I'm thrilled to share with you is our What Works Leadership Dashboard. Now, I know that planning for your business is a big challenge today, but at the same time, having a clear plan can give you focus and clarity when everything else seems unsteady. Instead of a hard and fast linear plan, you need a plan for the future that also adapts for today. And that's where the Leadership Dashboard comes in. The Leadership Dashboard is a planning process and tool that empowers you to manage new information, ideas, and priorities without losing track of big picture goals. It's designed to help you create adaptable plans for your business while helping you track what's important today. The result is a greater sense of confidence and ease as you lead, even when things are uncertain or evolving. The Leadership Dashboard is the planning process and tool I developed for myself when all other tools failed me. Now, with the Leadership Dashboard, you can capture big picture planning and daily task management on one page so your long-term plans never stall out. The Leadership Dashboard flexes to fit your schedule and way of working so you can stay on top of things regardless of when you prefer to get things done. It provides structure while being completely customizable so you can stick to your plans even if you rebel against rigid systems. It guides you through a yearly, quarterly, and weekly breakdown so you can plan for the future while keeping your eye on the day-to-day. 
And now the regular price for the leadership dashboard is $49, but we've made it pay what you want right now so that we can get it into as many people's hands as possible. Go to explorewhatworks.com and click on tools to find out more. Okay, so we've talked a lot about sort of the before and after Mm -hmm. uh, of the sort of tool setups that you use. And that, I think, begs the question, how do you know when to switch tools? Can you walk us through your decision-making process when it comes to, all right, we've been doing this for a while. I see this other thing I think might work better. Mm -hmm. How do you approach actually making that decision. Yeah. So for me, it's usually I'm I'm usually stay very aware of the different tools that are coming onto the market or in the market, whatever. But it's more of a frustration with my current tool mm-hmm. that pushes me over. So I don't generally say like, oh, this new shiny thing, I want to try it. Actually, I had a couple of friends who switched to ClickUp and were like, you know, rightfully so, very excited about it. Um, And I was like, no, I love Trello. But then I got increasingly upset with managing my team there and seeing that like there were things that just we really needed to work and Mm -hmm. could not get it to work. And so when it starts to become frustrating for me or my team or all of us together and or it literally doesn't have functions that I need, that's when I start to go look for other things. Um, So the reason we went to Kajabi I have a membership and we were hosting it inside of, where were we hosting that? Oh yeah. Like in a WordPress, that's where we went from WordPress. And that was a disaster. And I knew like a month into that, I was like, we've got to switch it. It was horrible, but we probably didn't switch it for like a year. But then I decided, oh, I want to try out. It didn't end up lasting because I didn't love it. But I wanted to try out selling it like a magazine subscription. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, if they come in in May, they can't get March and April. They just get from May on. Um, And the only software I could find that would do it that I and it's it's still like a backwards way to do it. But the only software I could find was Kajabi. So that was the whole initial reason I went to Kajabi. And that's no longer a reason I need it. Um, So while Kajabi doesn't necessarily have any things that are like, oh, I don't, you know, I hate that about it. The fact that I'm paying triple (laughs) what I would pay somewhere else for the same capabilities because I'm not using the email list and the sales pages and that kind of thing just seemed like it was time to move over. So it's usually a frustration more than a shiny object kind of thing. That is a really good clarification because yes. shiny objects get everyone in trouble. And yes. so if you can just say, no, I'm going to, the the default is that we stick with what we've got until it mm-hmm. doesn't work anymore or until it's too big of a headache. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a smart way to think about all of the things that you see coming at you on a regular basis. For sure. And you know, what stinks is that there are so many tools. I mean, it's a good thing there's so many tools, but it also stinks that there's so many tools to do everything you need to do. If you want to host a podcast, there's 43,000 tools to do it. And if you want to, you know, do this or do that. So I think that also gets people stuck like, oh, I want to start a podcast, but I don't know what I'm going to use. So I would suggest like writing down the like these can't, I have to have these things and then find something that has all those things and make the decision. Don't get stuck in this like, well, but this one might work and this one might work and this one might work because then it's like, ah, I don't don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I've often coached people to essentially write a job description for their software. You're, you're paying the software like 
a lot of money mm-hmm. most of the time. <laughs> yeah. You want to make sure that what you who you are hiring software-wise is actually filling your needs. Yes. No, well, I completely agree with that. Completely. Awesome. So let's shift gears again. You kind of teased earlier that you um, can organize your whole life in ClickUp. And I know that um, lifestyle design and personal development is really important to you. Mm -hmm. So um, what amazing things, what amazing tools, what amazing systems are you using um, to manage sort of that lifestyle, personal development, family side of your life? Yeah. So I actually still use Trello a lot for the personal side of things because I'm not having to pay for it because I don't need 42,000 people in it. Um, you know, like I did when it was a business tool. So I still use Trello because it's so much simpler than ClickUp and I don't need my team to be involved with like our grocery list, you know, and like it just, it just feels like it works well for me. Um, so I use that. I also use GoodNotes on my iPad. Um, which I have the iPad with the pencil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love that I can keep like handwritten notes on my iPad and access them from anywhere. So that's actually a lot of where I will like write out what we have in our refrigerator this week. So I know like, oh, what does our grocery plan look like going forward? Or what does our meal plan look like? Um, I will plan out my workouts in there. And that way I just pull it up on my phone when I'm wherever I'm going, whether I'm at CrossFit or at like a regular gym or whatever. Um, And, but yeah, Trello is a lot of what I use. I organize my books in Trello. So I, oh, I want to read these books this year or somebody recommended this book to me. I want to, and when I say read, I mean, listen, because I don't read anything. (laughs) I listen and audible to everything. Um, But if somebody recommends a book, I want to remember it. So I will like put that in Trello just really quickly. Like right now I have you open in one window, click up Trello and my email in Mm -hmm. another. So um, that's, that's just kind of where I stick with it because it makes the most sense. And I do a shared calendar with my husband on um, Google calendar and I have Trello feeding into it, which is cool because it happens on autopilot. So, you know, with the kids schedules and like, if I'm traveling, you know how that is. Like if I'm traveling, the world stops because nobody knows what to do. So (laughs) I'm like, oh my goodness, let me have a shared calendar with you because then you know exactly when that ball game is or that practice or whatever, right? That appointment. So those are kind of the things I use. It's mostly Trello, my Google calendar and um, GoodNotes because that's I just keep kind of keep all that personal. Awesome. That you are the third, maybe fourth person to sing the praises of good notes. Oh, I love it. And I also have an iPad with the pencil. Like I was so excited about the pencil when I bought it and I have not used it at all. And I must try this app now. I feel like, you know, if one person tells me about something cool, but like if four people in literally the last week have said <laughs> good notes has changed my life, which I do not understand, but I didn't understand Notion before I wanted to make out with it either. Right. Right. So, well, I will trying. say, yes, I will say like at conferences, I will take my notes at a conference mm-hmm. in good notes and then I can, I can upload them to click up. I can upload them to tr- like wherever I want to put them or I can share them with somebody. Um, so if I ever go to a conference, like with a friend and there's, you know, there's those different sessions you can go to, we usually split up and share notes. And so I can like easily be like, Oh, here's what so-and-so said in her session, because it's like, I can just export it, which is amazing. Um, and I randomly created a digital planner, like a paper planner, but it's 
digital on GoodNotes. Okay. Um, the weirdest thing I've ever done in my life, and I still am very confused by it, but I wanted one. It's basically, that's how it happened. I wanted one. I saw them on the inter- internets, you know, and I was like, oh, I have a pencil and an iPad and I love good notes. Let's try this out and thought it was cool. Um, and I don't really use a paper planner, so I'm not real sure why I thought it was cool, but whatever. But I created one because hashtag X designer, I can't do anything halfway, you know, mm-hmm. And I made a YouTube video about it. It went viral. And I still sell hundreds, if not thousands of those digital planners a month, which is a completely weird part of my business. Yeah. (laughs) It's insane. But the video went viral. And I have since obviously played off of that and made other videos that went viral. But it's really cool. If you like a paper planner, that's like, but you don't like carrying it around. Not that you have to buy mine, but like it's a cool function in GoodNotes that you can import a digital planner that looks and behaves like a paper planner, but is in your iPad. It's really, I don't know. It's a cool, it's a cool. That kind of makes sense to my brain. I have to say. Exactly. And that's why I started doing it because I like to write things down, even though they're in ClickUp or they're in whatever. I still like to say, okay, well, you know, on Monday we're going to do this. And so that's what first appealed to me about Mm -hmm. it. That's why I got good notes to begin with. Um, So you might want to check that out. Like I say, there's tons of them. You don't have to buy mine. (laughs) It's just like, you know. There's a ton. That, make, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so as we start <laughs> to wrap things up here, I wanted to ask you about, um, I, I wanted to see if you had any sort of like black horse, unexpected tools, things that, you know, people may not know about or that d- they just might not expect you to use that you do use in your business mm-hmm. or your life. Something that really helps you keep things together, but is just not what we might expect to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a couple. So I want to mention two. Um, one is that I use Dropbox for everything. Um, I know a lot of people use Google Drive mm-hmm. and kind of keep everything there, but I literally have Dropbox tied to every computer I've ever used in my whole life. Yep. And it's just so easy to like pull things out and not take up a ton of space on my computer, but have all these files and share it with my team and Um, I don't know. I think it's a little different than what most people do, but I love the structure of Dropbox. So if you've ever like tried Google Drive and it's just not your favorite, I think that Dropbox might be a good option. Um, but the other one is not necessarily a life together tool. It's just a hack tool. Okay. Um, so it is a plugin that happens on, um, I know you can do it on Google Chrome, maybe Firefox, uh, what's the other? Yeah. Firefox. I don't know if you can do it on anything else, but it's called Keywords Everywhere. And if you are creating content on the internets that you want Google to find you for in search, then you need this tool. Um, so I've never heard of this. Yes. Oh, good. Yay. Okay. So it's, it's literally called Keywords Everywhere. And what it does is it pulls the Google keyword ranking for keywords for you straight in the search. So you don't have to go to like Google keywords or anything to do keyword research. Um, It used to be free. It is not anymore, but it is very cheap. I think you get like a hundred thousand searches for like $10. (laughs) So it's, yeah, I've not run out of money on it yet. So I don't, I can't, and I do a lot of research on keywords, but because, so especially my YouTube videos, they are very search driven. You know, I want to, I want to pull on when somebody goes in and says how to use Trello or how to use ClickUp or, you know, whatever I want to put a video out about. But to do that, I need to know how they're ranking. And Mm -hmm. if I can actually, you know, rank for that thing, 
Um, because, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, that's what a lot of people search for. But if 100,000 people are searching for it and you're a brand new channel or a brand new blog, you will never rank for that key term. So this shows when you search in Google and you've got this activated, it shows three numbers underneath your keyword or key phrase. The first number is how many times per month people search for it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one to whatever, a million. Um, And then the second number is the cost it would uh, per click. So if you got a Google ad for it. So I always tell people just ignore that number because that's not really what we're using it for. But then the third number is the competition level from zero to one. So it's in a fraction. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's usually like 0.07 or 0.5 or, you know, whatever. Um, So that way you can see like, I need to get that perfect sweet spot where there's not a ton of competition, but there's enough people searching for it where I can rank for it. Um, And it's great because you don't have to go. You can use it inside of YouTube and Google straight from within the platform. Like it just works right there. That is very cool. Yes. I love it. It's one of my favorites. Oh, I have all sorts of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Because I don't know if you've ever, I know you have, but those of you listening have ever used Google keywords, Mm -hmm. but it is a disaster to go in and try and use. And then if you want to get started on it, you have to pay a dollar. It's like a whole thing. It's like a very weird platform. So it just pulls the data straight from that, which is really cool. Very cool. Very, yeah. very cool. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, Jessica, what are you excited about next? Do you have any projects or plans coming down the line that uh, just is, you know, making you feel the fire right now? Yeah. So I'm really excited. I spent all of 2019 feeling confused about where like my space was in this world. Mm-hmm. I was kind of tired of being like a contributor to the noise. Like I, I was tired of saying like, Oh, well, to, to have the business you want to have, you need to create courses or to have the business you want to have, you need to be on YouTube or have a podcast. And it just really got on my nerves, basically. <laughs> and I was like, I've got to take some time and figure this out. So I feel like I'm really on a good path right now of figuring that out and feeling like where my sweet spot is in the world. Um, and revamping all my courses to really fit into that, even though they really all were fitting into that to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, a matter of like redoing everything and not feeling like there's anything out there that I'm the one telling people, oh, you have to do this to be successful because that's not the truth. You can do whatever the heck you want to do and be successful. Um, it's just whatever works for you. So I'm, re- it's what works for I, you. I know it's great, isn't it? <laughs> right. So I think I'm really excited about that because I've kind of figured out what that feels like for me and how I can convey that to other people and help other people in a way that doesn't feel like you have to do this or you have to do that. I love that. Actually, that's normally where I wrap things up, but can we just talk about that just a little bit more? Because having gone through a very similar period of confusion and frustration and I mean, even I would say even a little bit personally of despair, and Mm -hmm. that was informed by some other things going on as well. Um, that realizing or finding a direction that you can go in where you don't have to say it has to be this way or it has to be that way or this is the best thing to me is stepping into a new level of confidence. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that that's where you're coming from as well. How has the way you 
feel about your business and kind of approach your business adjusted as you start to rearrange things in that direction? Yeah. So, you know, before I was constantly looking at it like, oh, well, I have to have these funnels built out or I have to have this thing or, you know, whatever. And I'm realizing that that was all just coming from like external sources that I was letting tell me that to be successful, I had to do this thing. And I basically have built a business a completely different way than like 99% of people because most of my most of my email list, most of my growth has come from YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I kind of take that and run with it in the ways that I need to. Um, and I have a lot of passive income. I have a lot of affiliate income and it's been great, but also like for me, I know that that's back to the way my brain works, right? Like I need something that works in that way. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that like this person also needs that, right? Or this person. And so for me, it was really like really diving into the way different personalities like process things, mm -hmm. um, whether you're into the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs or the Colby or I'm obsessed with personality tests because it's it's real. And it's like we really all do have different ways that we process and want to work. Um, and so I started thinking like, okay, I am going to build the business I want to build. Like, I don't, I don't care if it makes sense to the outside world. I don't care if they think I should have more funnels built out or I should have this thing going on. Um, and I can do that in a way where I can then lead by example and say, like, if your personality wants you to do this thing, then do it because you can be successful. Just because I don't do a lot of like one-on-one -on -one work with people because I don't enjoy it doesn't mean that's not something you would be super successful at. So for me, it was just like really getting to know myself and mm -hmm. how I work um, and really understanding that everybody is different to be able to say, okay, I have figured this out. We Here's kind of the pick of what I would tell you. So for instance, I have, by the time this goes live, I'm sure it'll already be released, but I'm releasing a new course that's kind of a bundle of a lot of my other ones. And I was teaching, okay, if you want to do YouTube, like here's the YouTube strategy to like really grow. And I could t teach that all day long, mm -hmm. right? But 99% of people going through that course would be like, oh, I don't, I just, I don't want to do YouTube now. Like it just feels like too much. And, and then, or they would get halfway through it and never finish it. And right. that's frustrating as a course creator. Right. So it's like, ah, um, so now this new course I am developing is more about like, let's the whole first section of the course is let's figure out what is best for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Should you be on YouTube? Should you be blogging? Should you be podcasting? Should you, you know, build everything on social, which is not really what I recommend, but you know, like, what should you be doing? because what feels good to you. And then let's take you down that path because it's possible regardless of what you want to do. Um, so I think that's been it is like, we can all do this. It's just figuring out what works best for us. Yep. And you're welcome for tying that one in because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have any plans of that, but it's true. It's okay. Most interviews come back to that in one way or another. <laughs> and I have to say it is by design. <laughs> yes. You're like, I know it does because that's how I want it to be. That's right. <laughs> Well, Jessica, thank you so much for giving us an inside look at how you run your business and even more so an inside look at how you think about the tools that you use and the strategy behind how you do what you do. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've had a ton of fun. Find out more about Jessica Stansbury at heyjessica.com or find grit wherever you listen to What Works.
Next week, you'll hear from Prerna Malik about the tools and systems she uses to run her copywriting agency. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt. Our production assistant is Kristen Runvik. Now, one last thing. If you love What Works, we'd love for you to share the show with a friend. We work hard to put out top-notch content that showcases the reality of running and growing a small business every week. We're looking to grow our audience and help more people strengthen their businesses. When you share What Works in a text message, your Instagram story, or on Facebook, you help us reach that goal. Thank you.